to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Adam Stern. Adam has spent the last 10 years in the institutional single-family residence industry, having co-founded a real estate technology and brokerage company in the early 2010, which he sold in 2018. Later, he founded Strata SFR, focusing on the new construction build for rent market. So really excited to have you on the show today, Adam. How are you doing? I'm good, Eileen. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Thank you so much. You know, it's funny. I, I wish it was like the olden times. I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. And like when people used to enter rooms back then, they'd have someone announce them. I feel like <laughs> that's what you just did to me. And then you have the music going on in the background. Yeah, like, uh, this is Adam Stern. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure to include that on in your intro. Yes, that should be. It should be an introduction. The Game of Thrones introduction on every podcast should do, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Adam, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background and, you know, if you can talk a little bit on how you got started in real estate. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. And I'm excited to talk to you, Eileen, because I don't pretend to be an expert on multifamily. And I think there's probably a lot of corollary between what I've done professionally and probably what you've done in your business. So I'd love to hear more about that, but kind of a high level on myself. I've been in the single family uh, rental industry for the last 10 years, kind of built my career around being a very specialized broker focusing on particularly on SFR portfolios, single family scatter site portfolios, helping large scale institutional investors and medium sized funds acquire 10, 20, you know, 150 properties at a time. And um, recently I just started my firm Strata SFR, which is essentially me taking a lot of my institutional clients and giving them exactly what they're asking for right now, which is new construction built for end projects. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I focus primarily on the Southeast United States for SFR portfolios and built for end projects. So can you talk a little bit about how you've been building up the SFR portfolio and then also a little bit about, you know, an overview of what uh, the build for rent model looks like? Yeah, I could talk to you about what people have done kind of from, from top to bottom in building SFR portfolios. I'm a bad example. I've, I've bought a handful of rental properties over the course of my, my career, but I haven't really amassed a big portfolio. Um, but th there are literally thousands of people that own multiple single family rental properties. So like, you know, and I forget the exact numbers, but let me take all of the several million people that own rental properties, probably like 90% of them own one, right? And then you have this additional top tier that own between two and, you know, to the largest institutions that own several thousand. So kind of where I cut my teeth was in identifying people that owned handfuls that can be bought efficiently. Uh, people that were owned as little as maybe five or six single family homes in an area that a fund or institution wanted to buy in, all the way up to people that own, you know, two or 300 properties that they're bigger trades and they're very efficient trades for large capital sources to buy and, and deploy capital into the single family space by doing portfolio trades like that. So I've kind of uh, come from the perspective of finding that audience, building technology to find that audience and, and being a consultant and broker to help bring transactions together. So then are, do they have to be similar types of properties and similar grades and all that stuff? So it's funny because the one word people talk about when they talk about single family rental, the industry or, or the, the people that own single family rentals is uh, disjointed. You know, it's very fragmented. And the reason for that is you have a bunch of people out there that basically bought either 
opportunistically or programmatically. And there's a lot of variance between, you know, you take an individual that might have bought townhomes here and single family homes here, some lower rent, some middle rent, and it's not very homogenous. And there's a lot of that out there. And then you have like a little more kind of mid-sized investors that kind of had a strategy they implemented and they have a little more, it's more homogenous. They, they buy one kind of property and you could have a lot of, of properties owned by that kind of owner. But, you know, very often what you don't have is institutional level property management. So you got this industry where it's a hodgepodge of people that own different assets in the same portfolio, the same assets in the same portfolio. Some are poorly managed, some are really well managed. Well, the one kind of commonality through all of that is people out of a Massey's portfolios generally understand real estate in, in a very deep way. And uh, in order to buy real estate from them, it's all about kind of giving them an easy exit or a, a profitable exit from their investments. And if you're an institution or you're a mid-cap owner, you basically got to know how to speak to the needs and the wants and the desires uh, of that audience. And that's kind of what I've been specializing for the last several years, figuring out what a person is looking to execute on, what strategy? Are they looking to maximize their exit uh, in terms of price? Are they looking to maximize their exit in terms of like time efficiency? Um, and that's been that's been my focus for the last several years. So what are like the kind of the first steps that you would need to take if you're you know interested in, in utilizing this? So I guess if you were a individual looking to buy single family rental property like Scattersite right now, you can do it. There's a number of online platforms you could do it in. Uh, you can work with local wholesalers. You could buy through the MLS, through realtors. Uh, there's plenty of ways you could acquire individual single-family rental properties, one-off. If you wanted to buy more than one property at a time, it's a little bit harder. You got to find other people that own properties that are willing to sell for it, sell to you at the right price, or at least at a price that you would deem attractive. Um, so there's different ways you can go about building your portfolio from individual acquisitions to you know bulk acquisitions, and even now you know. A lot of what I'm doing is built for rent instead of buying existing homes, building new homes. And that's a whole nother skill set that, you know, is very separate and apart from real estate investing. Uh, you got to have an understanding of, of land and land developments and in construction as well. Um, the numbers kind of are really as easy to understand as buying an SFR property that's, that's existing, but you just got to have a knowledge of the different components to buy the land, develop the land, build the products. And that there's no way you could either buy you know, a product that is, is existing or you can build product from the ground up. Those are the two ways on how to do it. So in the build for rent model, can you talk a little bit about the timeline from when you actually identify a land to, you know, build up the developments and to when it actually gets rented out? Sure. Yeah, happy to. Um, and there's a lot of different ways people go about building new construction subdivisions. Now, if you bifurcated into kind of the, the two views on this, I think it would be pretty easy to say people either develop these as individually lotted single family or townhome uh, communities where like they're creating individually deeded units. And that's great because it gives them some options on the exit. The other way people are doing it is you might have heard this phrase before horizontal apartment complexes where essentially they're not individually deeded units. They're basically one lot like you would have in a multifamily property, except you know you have townhomes or single family homes in the subdivision. So both of those ways are, are kind of you know the two paths you can go. And depending on what your specialty is, depending on how patient your capital is, you can come in at different points during a transaction. 
Like, for example, if you found a builder that was willing to sell you finished units once they have a CFO, completed units, you can buy them and, and barter a price that's anywhere between retail value, if it's you know the right kind of product in the right area, or some kind of discount off of retail value, which is what most investors want. Uh, and it works both ways because if, if you're buying something that's finished from a builder, they're not paying disposition costs, brokerage costs, financing costs to carry the, the properties for a very long time. So there's, there's that way. Uh, if you got a little more risk tolerance, you could come in and purchase finished lots from builders. So before they start building their homes, uh, in which case they got to basically pay for the land and then pay for the construction costs of the home, you can come in and, and buy completed lots, meaning all the, all the site work's been done, utilities are in, water sewers in, and you're basically buying these pads that are ready to be built on. Um, and a lot of times people are doing that because it's hard to make the numbers work to buying a finished home. So they're going to builders and saying, hey, I know that you have this land and you were going to build your own homes for retail sale. Why don't you sell me your finished lots? I'll hire you to build a home on it. And instead of doing it for a profit, you'll do it for a fee. Um, and you see a lot of that now. And even right now, because the construction business is going just bonkers. I mean, the, the residential housing market on the new construction side, especially in the Southeast United States where I play, is extremely good right now. So it's hard to convince a seller, a builder to take a discount or an easy exit on anything. So more and more what's happening right now is capital sources are going way, way, way upstream and competing with builders for the land and actually buying what they call entitled land, which means it's gone through zoning and it's gone through all of like the civil engineering that it would take to get to a point where you could actually start developing the land into lots. And then after that, building the homes on them. Uh, what you have right now is capital sources that are doing all of the above. They're buying finished homes at CO, they're buying lots and they're buying in puddle lands. It just really depends on what you can find and how patient your capital is and how risk tolerant you are. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And what kind of areas are you typically looking for in terms of like the markets when you're looking to implement a build for rent strategy? Well, it's interesting you ask that because it really depends on the strategy or, you know, I guess you can call it a thesis by the investment firm, uh, the buyer. Um, I know that there's some commonalities between a lot of investment firms out there. I think there's a, a fair amount of groupthink in the SFR industry. And, you know, it's, it's not for bad reasons. It's because people's living habits and buying habits and spending habits tend to be pretty common all throughout different geographies, right? So one thing's for sure, now that COVID is the new reality and we're kind of past the initial shock of the pandemic and people are trying to find a new normal, uh, a lot of people are moving out of cities and out of apartment buildings and looking to move in the suburbs. So the single family rental industry has been a big beneficiary of that 
either movement or perceived movement. No one's going to know whether or not the story is actually true until kind of rent numbers come out in the later part of this year to prove that this is actually happening. But everyone thinks it's happening. And that's the press that's being put out right now. And I see it because what, what's happening right now is to get ahead of this curve, home builders are now buying lots and building lots more aggressively than I've seen in the past. And built front companies are being more aggressive in suburban areas that are a good fit for single family detached homes or townhomes. Uh, and generally what they're looking for are areas that are close to the thoroughfare, close to transportation, uh, not too rural. In other words, places that have kind of built in amenities, uh, not too far of a drive to the grocery store, to the restaurants or the retail shops. People like being near things. And the most in-demand places are places for single family rental subdivisions or places where development on the for sale side is already going on or already has gone on. And the amenities have kind of taken shape in an area. Um, as things are getting more and more competitive, you're seeing things being pushed out further. So like you might have a lot of infill locations and then, you know, kind of land parcels on the edge that wouldn't have been developed before. But since it's getting so competitive right now that these outer parcels, a lot of times in a lot of markets around the country are starting to get gobbled up and built upon. Um, and I think that's a solid thing for the housing industry. It's employing a lot of people right now. People certainly need cost-effective, good quality place to live and more inventory means more moderate rent prices. So it, it helps uh, combat inflation in rent prices. And what's really interesting in, in the single family rental space right now is it's being, or it has been institutionalized. So people really for the first time in history have the option to rent their single family home from a very large, well-run organization of which there are a number out there that are professionally managed real estate organizations that really know how to service their customer. And so one of the things you mentioned earlier was the construction business, you know, has seen a little bit of a... Um, uh, uptick, uptick. Yes, uptick. <laughs> Thank you. No so, um, so with the pandemic and everything like that going on, have you seen any delays in the builds and the projects that you're working on? Yes. So it's funny, you know, simultaneously as demand for new construction has gone up, the ability for builders to deliver new construction has been hampered because a lot of the materials that they use are created and manufactured overseas in places like China and other places. And, it, and so, yes, the materials that are used to build single family homes, including wood, uh, steel and, and, and other materials that go into the home, they're harder to come by. I think it's, it's loosened up a little bit because people have figured out how to create their or how to shore up their supply chains. But there's definitely a lag there between people wanting to build more properties and uh, builders only being able to build so many because of, of supply issues. And then is there anything that um, you would recommend as you're looking to look for a build for rent markets or anything like that in terms of like um, risk tolerance or anything? Yeah. You know, one of the things I always look at is I look at a few things. I look at demographics, first of all, you know, are, are there jobs in the area? Are there more jobs coming? Are people moving to the area because of any incentives, whether it be tax incentives or lifestyle incentives? I live in Lake Norman, a place right outside of Charlotte. Huge amount of lifestyle incentives. There's water, there's sports, there's good weather all year round. There's plenty of jobs because Charlotte's a big banking hub. Um, I kind of look at the tailwinds for a market. I also look at things like rent absorption. Um, if we look in an area, are there enough people and will there be enough people moving into an area to support 100 or 200 rentals at, or whatever the number of rentals are in a subdivision? And a lot of times you can get that information from the MLS or if you align with a good 
residential or property management broker, they can answer that question. So I like looking at rental absorption rates, uh, days on market for rentals, whether or not prices are ticking up at all, whether they're staying static or even, or even dropping. Um, and then I like looking at the largest SFR funds that are out there. I mean, like, you know, there are plenty of them and people in the industry will, will know the names really well. Companies like Tricon, uh, Amherst, Invitation Homes, Progress Residential, you know, numbers of middle-sized funds more. I look at where those guys are buying because I naturally see them as an exit. You know, they've already gone public, a lot of them, and they've already kind of raised public market money. So like the idea that if one of those big SFR REITs are going to an area, likely the smaller players will have an easier time finding an exit sometime in the future to those bigger funds because they'll always have the ability to raise more and more money, you know, at ever right now, compressing cap rates to create kind of this exit strategy for the mid-sized funds that are that are buying in these areas as well. And so Adam, what is your next focus? Next focus for me, um, I'm focused on building out a technology platform that's going to help not so much people do build for rent projects or even SFR projects, but really meant to help people like me, brokers and owners and buyers transact in the off market. Um, a big part of what I do is being able to create velocity and transactions in this in this arena called the off market. And there's some very specific things that need to happen in order for me to successfully find inventory and sell inventory. It dawned on me a little while back that there's really no technology to support what I do. There's marketplaces out there. And if I ever wanted to have a listing on a marketplace, there's plenty of out there to uh, to choose from. But you know, without going too far into it, this idea that there's really no digital or technological support or solution for brokers, owners, and, and sellers to do what they're already doing in the off-market, but do it better. Uh, so I'm building some technology around that should be out later on in 2021. And just my focus is finding more opportunities, build for rent and portfolio opportunities you know, for buyer clients of mine. And Adam, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? How has real estate investing impacted my life? Well, if, if I wasn't doing this and real estate investing didn't come into my life, I'd probably be waiting tables. Uh, but other than that, real estate investing has been really good to me. I bought a number of uh, fix and flip properties that I've done with partners. I bought a few uh, single family rental properties. I learned how to manage those and manage people at the same time. I think real estate investing for me has brought kind of the, the management of money into sharper focus, into an area that I can really understand and get my hands around. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, I know enough to be dangerous, but I wouldn't call myself an expert or even, you know, feign that I know everything there is to know about that. But I feel like in this realm, um, I could be pretty dangerous. I know more than most. And what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Just don't lose money. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I looked at real estate the way I look at money right now, which is, Understanding compounding and understanding that if you just don't lose money, you don't have to be smart. You don't even have to be necessarily doing the right move all the time. Um, you just have to not lose money and let your, your your money compound over time. I wish I would have kind of taken that more into uh, account when I was a younger man. Yeah, power of compounding effect. The power of compounding effect is, is exactly right. Yep. And what is one thing that sets the successful people apart in the real estate investing business? Um, confidence. I think confidence in what you're doing and being able to see something through for better or worse is, is what I see being the differentiating factor between a lot of successful and less successful people. You know, the, the guys or women, you know, both sexes, um, those who pick a path and just go for it, 
whether it's a bad idea or a good idea, those who are able to execute on their vision tend to get further faster, in, uh, especially in real estate. So, And are there any tools or techniques that you use um, in your personal or your business life that has helped to make you more efficient? Um, I think I've always had this uh, kind of ethos or idea that in order to kind of be really well-rounded and to take the best of what's out there, I partition part of my time to talking to whoever I can, whoever's willing to have conversations with me that are in my, you know, kind of realm, right? So talking to people and getting other people's perspectives and business ideas and kind of take on not only business, but also politics and, you know, family and things like that. I think that makes me more efficient over the long run because I see a lot of different points of view and I can, uh, I can see things or get to see things from, from other people's perspectives. And so, Adam, we really appreciate having you on the show today and sharing everything that you do. And so if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and what you do, where can they go? Uh, www.stratasfr.com. All my information is there. Uh, projects are there. Information is there. Feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Adam. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ellie. Appreciate it. See you later. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.